I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. If you're a small business owner wondering how NFTs or Web3, some of these terms that you probably started hearing about could impact your business in the future, listen to this conversation. Chris and Trainual CMO Jonathan Ronzio went live on LinkedIn to discuss their biggest takeaways from attending Gary Vaynerchuk's conference, VCon, where the whole conference was centered around this topic of NFTs and Web3. Hey everyone, and welcome to Organize Chaos Live. This is now, I believe, our third time doing this, and I love this format. I love coming on here to LinkedIn. It's such a cool group, and I love the engagement that we get on here. And so this format is for you. It's for you to participate with and engage with. And the topic for today's conversation is going to be the conference VCon, and more broadly, the whole NFT Web3 space. So if you've been following along, Gary Vayner, Chuck, who we've done some different uh, advertisements and, and speaking events with here at Trainual, uh, launched this project about a year ago. And Jonathan, my brother and I went to VCon for three days. So I'm going to bring Jonathan in and, uh, and the two of us are going to break down what this event was all about. So Jonathan, come on in. What's up, bro? Dude, that intro music is a sick beat. I feel like you need to figure out like a verse that you can start rapping as soon as that intro music kicks in. Like that's that's a nice intro. I was feeling the same. It's only the first, you know, like I said, the third time, I guess I've heard that. And I felt like after the countdown, there was going to be some really cool video intro. And I'm looking at the screen and and then it's just my face. And I'm like, right. here we go. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 sick. We'll take that offline after the fact. We'll come up with a song next time. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, all right. So the topic today is VCon. Uh, you and I yes. spent the last three three days up in Minnesota. You came in a little late, I guess, but um, but I was there for three days. And uh, and they picked interesting. They they picked Minneapolis because they didn't want to be in a major market. We found out. They wanted to be, um, you know, s somewhere that was kind of centrally located here in uh, in North America, and they wanted. Uh, they, I guess, Gary had a hookup, right? Yeah. So he he uh, owns a stake in a esports team, I believe, a Call of Duty league, and um, and so does the owner of the Minnesota Vikings. And so because mm -hmm. they're both owners of this esports team, they know each other, and so the uh, you know the U.S. Bank Arena where the Vikings play, um, Gary, I guess, got a friends and family discount on on yeah. that which was it was cool because we were scratching our heads when we first walked in we're like all right this place can hold like seventy thousand people and there's max seven thousand here like i don't even think it hit that that's maybe what they expected but I, i'm not sure what the final attendee number was but it felt like it was way too big of a space for the the crowd that was even expected at max to show up but the logistics after we talked to um you know uh, Vayner speakers and and tried to figure out like why they decided on that. Um, right. The POV was that Gary really just wanted like an at bat. This whole thing for him was like a trial run on how to yeah. build it bigger and to like taste doing it at that scale, even if they couldn't fill the stadium. And he had a good hookup. So uh, so that was that. That was cool. Yeah. 
Uh, what's up to Michael in the chat? I know we were communicating through the event and uh, did not get to to meet up, but uh, interested to hear your biggest takeaways here in the comments as well. So, so yeah, Jonathan, like you said, I think Gary's closing remarks at the end of the event were that this was just a a dry run. You know, doing this for the first time was kind of getting out there and seeing what was good, what was bad, what would we do differently. He talked about the lines being too long and they didn't order enough merchandise, and he'd change this next year and and. So it's, it's cool to think about that this is at least a three-year commitment that he's made to doing this event. And the event is really all about this Web3 NFT space. And so what I want to focus on for, for this call is, you know, what should people know about this space? What was our experience as attendees, as participants going to this this first of at least three conferences? And then uh, maybe what ideas are starting to percolate for us? And so I know I know when we were brainstorming the other day, we came up with a, a, an agenda. So is there anything else I'm missing on there? Well, I think just for anybody tuning in that, um, you know, unlike Michael here, who knows what VCon was he attended, like, what about people who have no idea what what this was? You you gave the little setup in the intro that this was Gary's like kind of celebration to the NFT culture and and like this this flag in the ground for the Web three space that he wants to build be building inside of. But for people that are on the 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 fringes or even further out who don't know anything about it, like we probably should hit some of the the lingo and break down yeah. some of the terminology, right? So like even Web three, like what's Web three? Okay, so let's go through that. So really quick for anyone that's joining, uh, I think the easiest way to explain it is web one was like when there were just web pages, right? When you would put up information and there would be a search engine and you know the initial versions of logging in through AOL and going to Yahoo or even going to Google, that stuff was, was web one. It was just like, we want basically digital business cards, web pages, that's web one. Web two was when you added the collaborative and social element. So social media became really web two and it's the next layer of now we can all be creators and we can have conversations and we can share things through feeds on these platforms and we can message each other. And so the idea of like a social community network uh, that, that, really, I think, is the the foundation of Web2. And then on that, there's built a lot of businesses that have utility, like like Trainual, like other SaaS companies that are, are moving commerce so that you can have a online-only business, a business that you know does not ever have really a brick-and-mortar location, but just entirely exists online. And then Web3 is this, this next evolution, which is, okay, well, now we've all been like participants online you know we've all been in social media but the social media companies are the ones that have monetized that through selling ads and owning these platforms that all of us participate on and so i think the difference in web3 is we're moving from a like economy where you know almost like a schoolyard with all the children on the schoolyard and the schools in charge to like we're all graduating and everybody can own their own real estate and everybody can have some like ownership or plot of land and that's really what this this idea of web3 is is that individuals can have these authentic pieces of ownership these digital assets that are tracked through the blockchain and and it's a 
uh, a much more trackable, much more accountable, uh, hopefully eventually much safer version of the internet where individuals can be more prosperous as creators instead of having to you know, be on these big platforms where uh, a centralized entity like a Facebook or something is really the one winning. Um, and then right. with that comes the whole idea of like, you know, the metaverse, which would really just be like a a digital universe where you can have some presence on on that to conduct commerce or you know have relationships or whatever it else is um but am i describing that right would you add anything to that yeah um i think the uh, as you bring up the metaverse obviously everybody knows like facebook changed its name to meta and and yeah. is striving to really build the metaverse too but one thing that if you'd followed that announcement and list, really like listen to mark's take on it is that um he talks about the interoperability of apps right like facebook built facebook within the confines of building an app for a smartphone that apple wrote the rules on right or that android wrote the rules on and now facebook in built in having a, a say in building the metaverse is building an experience that um that allows you to let's say that digital ownership which we'll get into what nfts are but if you if you own something in the digital world, like let's say you bought something in Farmville on Facebook, Facebook, um, they're building an experience that would allow you to take your asset from Farmville around the web with you, whether it was inside mm -hmm. of a Facebook platform or anywhere else. That's this concept of interoperability and digital ownership is, is it's a universe that you're not confined by the guardrails of an app infrastructure or by the guardrails of uh, a platform ownership that you, right. uh, you can actually like, you know, Gary gives the example when he talks about this, that if you, you're in a sports stadium, how much would you value, uh, let's say for your sake, a son's Jersey, if you could only wear it inside the stadium, if you couldn't leave the stadium with that Jersey, when you go there, you'd be psyched to put it on, but like, would you value it more if you could go and fly to Milwaukee and, and wear that in the stands or, or anywhere else, right? Like you, you bring this thing with you and that's what, the metaverse and web three and these these apps built with interoperability in mind and nfts this digital ownership of non-fungible tokens will enable all right when you say nfts i feel like a lot of people just black out and want to stop listening so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, we, we'll have to die we have to go back but i to the in interoperability thing like imagine today if you post a blog on medium or something you know it's like that that content is on medium but in the future if you have created that content uh, could that exist on multiple sites or you know beyond uh beyond just the one platform is that kind of what you're saying there yeah for sure okay <laughs> you nailed it all right yeah so so uh so so that's that's the i guess the foundation of what these technologies are when we're talking web3 and metaverse and then this the scary word nft so i want to tell a story about nfts actually just to set the stage because we're in kind of the the wild west uh the brand new you know this stuff's in its infancy i only found out about nfts i would say like midway through last year like i had been hearing the term and i knew what blockchain was i knew what cryptocurrency was i dabbled in that for a little bit but i didn't understand how this this thing that you know was a a, a current an online currency on the blockchain I don't, I don't understand how anything else could happen on the blockchain it just didn't compute for me and so nfts are um, i think that the simplest way to describe it is if you think of a physical wallet if you've got a wallet with money in it, 
that could be like your cryptocurrency, right? But then think of the other things that you might keep in your wallet or your purse. Like if you've got pictures of your kids, or if you've got like a membership card for AAA, or a, you know, a, a, uh, any, a library card that gets you, you know, access to the library. I think the easiest way to think about NFT is, is they're like the non-money stuff in your wallet. They're the other things that you might want to store digitally that show either you have a ownership of something or they give you access to places that other people can't go like my Costco membership or my, or my library card. Right. It's like, is that, does that make sense to you or, or would you it does, call for sure. NFT no, something different? No, that's a good way to describe it. But the difference is it's um, NFTs are also built on an economy of creatorship and, and uh, artistry and, and so nobody's going to buy your library card for $100,000 just because you've built a brand around being a, like a, a super reader, right? <laughs> but that is a thing at play in, in the actual NFT space where you've got artists who for the first time ever uh, can build a real revenue stream off of you know, monetizing ownership of their digital collections to their audiences. And, yeah. and then we'll get into like the recurring revenue streams with creator fees and stuff later. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Grady in the chat that wants us to claim him as the third brother. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> hilarious. So Grady, if there's, a, I, I love the ready player one example. If, if anyone listening has not seen ready player one, I did see that a, a couple years ago, a few years ago when that came out, a Steven Spielberg movie, uh, it was a book before that. So if you're more into books, read the book. Uh, but that blew my mind. This uh, this idea that you could be like a, you know, a different avatar, like a, a living in a different world, and and I think everybody should. I can't even explain it. Everybody should just check that movie out. It's worth the two hour investment in in what the future could look like. So this stuff, this Web three stuff, I think it's going to apply to almost every business, if not every business in probably the next decade, but we're on the early cutting edge of this. And so let's talk a little bit about where the concept of VCon came from, because we've both been following Gary for a little bit. And so what he's trying to do with his V friends and the intellectual property, because that was sort of the setup for what this conference is. Yeah. So when did you first, do you remember first hearing about V friends? Um, well, because we had done the 4Ds event with Gary, mm -hmm. I, I know that we're, we're in like a, you know, a group of 4Ds alumni, right? And so inside of that group, I, I want to say early 2021, he had posted that he was doing something with NFTs. And at that point, people were already starting to talk about NFTs and, and um, crypto punks were kind of already a thing getting popular. And you were starting to hear about that. You knew about crypto kitties from the year prior. Like there were these early projects that had started gaining conversational momentum and then Clubhouse hit and these blockchain and crypto mm. and, and NFT rooms started popping up everywhere on Clubhouse. And then all of a sudden, Gary reached out and was like, hey, like for the 40s people, he was like setting up a Zoom late night, later this week, jump on. I want to tell you about this project I have coming up. And this was to coincide with his book, 12 and a half. Basically, his mission right now is to uh, to, to preach the soft skills of business more so than the, the hard skills. Right. The the like emotional ingredients. And so he, he wanted to create IP around these emotional ingredients and, and these feelings. And, and, and that's why there's 
um, you know, empathy elephant and patient panda or whatever, right? Like these are his V friends. And it's basically like Gary's version of Pokemon. And all of the characters are related to a certain like emotion or aspiration or moment yeah. that he's trying to trying to build a story around uh, to get out there. And, and, yeah. you know, it's basically a, a collectibles engine that he's building IP storytelling with. And the so I, I didn't get that when I first saw them. I, I thought it was just these little doodles. These you know, <laughs> And maybe if, if anybody's looked at V for it's V E E friends.com. If you've looked at it and just thought, what the heck, these are stupid little kid drawings. That's exactly what I thought. It's like Gary made, I don't know. I don't know what the number was. Is, is there like 500 of these things or something? No, ten, how, 10, many, how many different? No, no, no. How many uh, different characters though? Oh, that I don't know. Yeah, so I'm, we'll, I'm we'll look, Trent. Trent, behind the scenes, if you know, you can comment on here. But um, it was he—he he drew out on just white pieces of paper with like a black sharpie. He drew out these characters, and it was sort of like he was equating it to when Walt Disney first drew Mickey Mouse. Like they're going to be these proprietary, you know, the intellectual property type characters that he wants to spend the next few decades building this franchise around that he wants to take these characters and whether they end up on shirts on movies on tv shows theme parks like whatever he does with these characters the idea was to build a set of characters and each one of those characters like you said would be rooted in an emotion or a a, a, a kind of soft skill and mm -hmm. so on launch day you and i got two of these things we we minted them is the 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 industry terminology, which just means you you created it started with you. You got that initial opportunity to create this character. And so you ended up with the innovative Impala. And I ended up with innovative Impala. With, with the uh the gleeful sugar glider. And so um and minting is basically like when you buy it and you mint it, it basically means that you ran the first transaction for that asset on the blockchain. So anything yeah. in the future, any sale, any transfer of ownership, any expansion, it all traces back to that first uh, that first transaction being yours on the blockchain. That's what minting is. Yeah, okay, so that minted the NFT. So we, got, we each got one of these, and so two out of the 10,000 or whatever that he released, we had. And when they were minted, they had a price, a purchase price that we purchased them on. And they also came with this, this smart contract, this underlying contract. And this is another important thing for people that are listening, because any of these NFTs or non-fungible tokens have this smart contract underneath them that kind of governs how this asset will be treated in the future. And so a, uh, you know, a, a contract could say that, any subsequent sale of this thing, the initial creator gets a 5% or 10% royalty on. And so that's important for Gary, for instance, because he created these and he has that built into the smart contract. And so as these continue to change hands and trade over the years, every one of those transactions, he's still getting a piece of. Whereas, you know, when you bought a, a baseball card that turned out to be worth a lot of money and over the years it sold in 20 garage sales and then it was auctioned at Christie's or whatever, the original person that opened up that card gets nothing. It's gone. They got one transaction or, you know, a an artist that sells a painting. They sell it at their gallery and then there's no more transactions that they get to participate in. And so part of this is being able to track these assets through their whole 
life lifetime. You know, to say like here is the the trail of all the different owners, and the original creator can participate in all of those sales. And you can also have philanthropic pieces of the smart contracts where you know like uh, every year there's a there's a fee that gets paid to charity, and if you're a holder of this thing, you have to pay that that fee. Um, but there there's benefits associated. So. Um, have a, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I'm explaining the everything about what the NFTs are in this this like proprietary thing he created. But that was the foundation for this event because he said, if anyone that anybody that buys these things, you have these digital assets which will in themselves have some value over the next few years, but you'll also have some physical real world value. And based on the ones that you bought, there were different physical attributes like some of them there was the what the gift goat i think it was called where if you bought that one if you're a holder of that one you get six presents from gary in the mail on the on an annual basis that he just ships to the people that are holders of that token uh there was another one that was like the the courtside gorilla or something (laughs) i don't remember what it was but it was like uh, the courtside cougar i don't know where if you're a holder of that, you get to go to a, courts, sit next to him courtside at a Knicks game once a year. There's other ones that uh, like are good for a dinner once a year or a FaceTime or a, or a small meet and greets. And so I think that's an important piece of this, too, is those NFTs, those digital assets enable some physical real world access, yeah. which is something we've been thinking about with Trainual. I think that's really applicable for us. And across the suite of V friends, yes, some of them had like super exclusive access. Every single one of them had access to VCon. That's what came right. with every single one of them was was a a ticket in and of it, and and the ticket in and of itself that would be issued is an NFT. And we can get into that around NFT tickets. And um, but but every owner of a V friend got a ticket to VCon, yeah. and so that's why we yeah. were there. Um, we need almost more time. We're still, we, know, we're not even yet at the ticket that got us admission and we're still trying to like wrap <laughs> our heads around this. I think it's but, also important for anybody listening to know that like, we're also still figuring this out. So if we like say anything wrong about any like terminology in the space or it's just us trying to figure this out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Trent in the chat. Thank you for 268 characters there were. So unlike, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the goofy and pluto and mickey's like 10 friends gary went for 268 so he's got a a big collection of these things uh all right so all of these came with access to the conference and so when we bought these things they were the purchase price that we got them was around a half of an eth so ethereum is the currency about a half eth was what we paid and at the time i think that was like two thousand dollars or something it was a it was about that which seemed like a big investment but for me it was easy to wrap my head around a three-year conference if that's what he's promising as the physical you know can the the thing you physically get for buying this two thousand dollars for uh you know three conference tickets okay i can wrap my head around that that for three years we'll have this experience and so that made it kind of an easy to easy purchase so we both bought one of these things and then within six months maybe nine months something they, they have what 20 30 x in in value which has been a yeah. i did not expect that unexpected like you 
you think you're buying three years access to a conference with this thing, but you don't realize the economics of the drawing and the NFT itself in that marketplace. And, and yeah, the demand for them has skyrocketed. And Gary's been adamant about executing against them to create intrinsic value and perpetuity for the audience that believed in it from the start, that bought them from the start. And, and so, um, you know, he, uh, he talks about the fact that any and all NFT projects could go to zero, um, just like the dot-com bubble bust, right? But right. Uh, so it's, it's always a gamble, but at least right now, uh, these things are worth a lot more than we expected. Totally. Like if you think about in the 1920s or 30s or whatever it was, you know, when Walt Disney drew Mickey Mouse, I bet there were a lot of other people drawing a lot of other characters. And if you had one of those original Mickey Mouse drawings, it'd be worth a lot of money. But if you have any of those other ones, then you know they're probably largely worthless. And so we're kind of in that space where you have to really, if you're going to invest in someone's someone's project or buy these things, you have to really follow what they do, really believe that they're going to execute. And so for for Gary, just because we've met him a few times and worked with him, um, we had that confidence. And so I would caution everybody that's listening to this to not just go and dump a bunch of money into this space to people that you don't know of, you know, you saw a tweet about this thing, do your homework for sure. And see if this is a person that has an authentic following and, and a good community and is, you know, not, not just putting this out to make a quick buck, but are, is this like a lifelong pursuit for them? And yeah. I think, uh, you know, if, funny enough, that was a, a big reason why we were able to raise funding with Trainual is in, our investors were looking for people that were treating what they were doing as a long time pursuit. And, you know, there are a lot of people that just jump into a space and, and it's opportunistic and they think, oh, I can grow this thing and sell it or whatever. We came into this to say, like, let's revolutionize this industry and it's going to take a while, but we're going to we love it. This is what we're here for. We want to do this long term. And I think that's why we were able to to raise funding. So it's very much the same when you're when you're the investor and you're and you're looking at other people, you should be looking for that long term conviction. Yeah, that's a good segue into actually um, some of the takeaways from from the speakers and the sessions, because one of uh, let's see, I flew in Saturday morning. You were there for the day before me. But as soon as I got in and I got to the conference, um, Mila Kunis came on stage and she's gotten involved with the space uh, with um, Ashton and Vitale, who actually is the um, the inventor of Ethereum, like and, and a few other people. They created a project called Stoner Cats, which was like an animated show backed by issued NFTs that only um, only NFT holders got access to even watch the animation, this show. Um, and so she got up there and she was talking about like what to look for in the pillars of successful NFT projects. Like how do you figure out what you want to go in on or what you don't? And what you were just talking about is like knowing uh, who is the founder? What is the founder story? What are the, what's the team behind the actual project? Yes, there are some that it's just like super cool art and it happens to pop off and people just buy it for the transactional um, factor that is owning that, that art. Um, and there is no community or, uh, or extra utility or philanthropic component or any of that. There's no access. Sometimes it is just art, but the more successful projects that are likely going to last in the long term are the ones that have utility value for the, uh, for the owner that have often a philanthropic component that have a strong founder team with a, a, a strong story, um, that have, the backing of community traction already, even before getting to launching something in this space. 
Um, and there's also this component that she brought up about storytelling versus tech. And I think a lot of projects inside of the NFT space right now are people that are that are just early adopters and really good in the tech, and they're they're able to spin up these projects because they understand the like underlying mechanisms of the tech, and they understand how to create some cool pieces and launch it. But they might not have the traditional you know media lens of storytelling, and um, that that kind of comes with like what you're talking about. Like, how do you make Mickey Mouse successful? It's through story. How does how's Gary gonna make? vFriends successful, it's through building story ar around these IP, building experiences around the IP and characters. And so did you notice did you notice through the event that he had like little theme songs for the different characters or yeah. little like short yeah. animations for it was like sort of like they were playing with these different characters and how how what personalities would come out. I, I thought that was cool. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe or leave a review and share it with anyone in your network that you think could use the information. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on social at Chris Ronzio on all platforms, and you can find Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. We'll see you next time.